Oh, there we go. That was quick. We're live on YouTube. So I'll do my uh, very casual introduction. Um, we're super happy to have Mark Cookrow joining us, uh, head instructor and um, you can correct me, school owner as well for Integrated Martial Arts Academy. Yep, so that's yes. your school, mm -hmm. your thing. So thank you so much for joining us. There you go. That's my professional introduction. Done. My right. pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Short to the point. Do better than that. Mark, so you're, uh, you're a black belt, right, Mark? And the Pedro's now off. Um, we're super happy to. Yep, I'm a first degree black belt under Master Pedro. I've been a black belt since 2014. 2014. Wow. Mm -hmm. And when did you uh, when did you start training? So I started training. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, when Hoist came to the Charlotte area for one of the UFCs, we had already had heard about jujitsu, and I was driving to the city of Atlanta to train, which is around four hours away. So in order to learn jiu-jitsu, I had to drive four hours, go train, then come back. And um, Hickson did a camp here at one of the local university uh, gyms. So I went to it, took a couple of friends, and uh, immediately I was blown away. And I remember the statement, you know, Hoy said, if you think I'm good, you should meet my older brother. And I thought, well, I've got to meet his older brother. And uh, so we went there and we trained, and I remember clearly so it was like in the i don't remember what year it was like maybe 95 94 it's like right in the middle mid 90s it's, i'd have to look up the usc events to get the exact date but um he was teaching a camp and i remember this guy came in and challenged him like he said it wouldn't work or something like that and the guy was wearing a singlet and uh you know hickson in his typical fashion goes okay come up here and let's find out and, uh, you know, he absolutely, he said, you'll either get, I remember the conversation. He said, you'll either get a Kimura, an Upa sweep or a guillotine. And you should pretty much be able to always get one of those. And of course the guy said, well, that won't work on me. And so he went up there and then the guys, then it turned into like a sparring match and uh, Hickson choked the guy out, he pushed him off to the side. He goes, okay, so back to class. <laughs> <laughs> we started all training and, uh, so that's been 20 something years, right? You know, and uh, I got to spar with him. That was the first time I ever met him. And it was amazing. Wow. And I've been ever since. It's amazing. I mean, did you, did you have any kind of grasp or any concept or, or grasp of like how important he is in the whole martial arts community when you met him that first time? Or did you Not know what really. you were witnessing? <laughs> I, did, I really didn't understand. I mean, I knew he was like, okay, his brother is good. You know, there's this new thing that's been out a couple of times, the UFC. <laughs> and uh, so I, I met him and I was like, you know, he has a presence. And, you know, when you meet him, he just has this very confident uh, presence and this kind of very good aura about him. And so, you know, I remember in, not really thinking that much, but I, I, when I watched him move, I was like, wow, this guy's amazing. He makes it look so easy. And, um, then it was like, he's like, okay, it's time to roll. And it was him, his wife, there was a brown belt with him. And uh, he goes, you. And I was like, you know, are you speaking to me, talking to me? And uh, he goes, yeah, come on, my friend, let's train. And he said, I'm going to choke you with this hand, just one. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, kind of puzzled. I didn't really understand what it was about to happen, but I knew that he was amazing. And uh, he was so nice. He lets me take his back and he lets me climb on him and he lifts his chin and he lets me get the choke in. And then uh, he goes, okay, man, you ready? And I was like, am I ready? <laughs> so, 
The next day I knew I'm on my back and he put his one single hand really deep in the collar and he just leaned forward and he, he did like uh, a modified Elio choke and he just kind of leaned forward and I was like, I tapped out and he goes, pretty good, man. Keep training. You can do it. And, uh, and I've been training ever since, but I had no idea. Like I was in the presence of jujitsu greatness. You know, I just, I was just trying to find out what all these Brazilian guys are bringing to the country. Cause we just started hearing about it. And, uh, I got his paperwork and I filled it out and I started following him around. And then of course I ran into master Pedro uh, after many, many recommendations. And then when I met him, I realized why, and uh, I've been training ever since. You, you've got running other months. Yeah. So uh, I have, I have instructorships in Jeet Kune Do, uh, Kali Filipino martial arts. I've done Muay Thai for 20 something years. I did catch wrestling before I ever did jujitsu and um, an art called Shudo, which is like um, a Japanese kind of catch wrestling with a very heavy American influence. And um, so I've been doing all of those and, and judo, I did judo. And uh, then once the, the Brazilian guys came, we were like, man, these guys have like a really different approach to grappling and all their pressure is so good and tight and like you can move but you can't get away and uh so we started training right away and um we were just fortunate to be one of the first places in the u.s uh to have it and so i've been, had to drive for hours man now my students drive they drive 10 minutes you know and i had to drive hours at a at a time just to go get two or three hours of training in this guy's kind of like the repeating story isn't it at the moment that we keep hearing is that <laughs> You know, all you guys starting out first time had to drive hours, you know, really get to it. And then and then uh, now people complain about having to drive five minutes around the corner to, uh, to get to training. <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah. They're like, oh, man, I got stuck in traffic to me 15 minutes instead of 10. <laughs> like, yeah. But, you know, that's what we did back then. So um, but, you know, I was fortunate to, to train in the other arts. There's a guy who was one of Bruce Lee's uh, good friends, a guy named Larry Hartzell. And he was from the, this area and he was a, a sheriff. And he lived here and he started a group of uh, people training here at school. And three of his original students are still here left under him. He moved to LA, became great friends. So he left the presence here and that lineage is where I trained with the other arts from, as well as a few others, but mostly them. And, uh, yeah, I had no idea how fortunate I was until I got older. To me, it was just the guys I showed up with and trained. Yeah, Robin's got similar background with his uh, Carly and JKD and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah fun, well, we, I like we it. with a guy here who's now a foot instructor under Guru Dan. Um, so yeah, I, I did did that for what 10, 15 years. Yeah, I do a little bit of it, but I don't get a chance to do as much as I did. I like it. It's fun. I think it's a good, they're really, both of them are good arts, you know, like the, the JKD, when it kickboxes, they want to kind of close you in and push everything to the center and Kali wants to open you up. So a weapon can get to you, but man, they're great arts and they're fun. I think we should for sure, you know, mix in other arts. What do you think about, um, here's a good one. Cause obviously Rob and I talk about this a lot. How do you feel about the, um, all the weapons defense and stuff from the greater jiu-jitsu syllabus obviously because then you'll have a lot of experience with your weapons defense with the Kali as well how do you kind of 
feel about those two things? Obviously, they're quite different in how they approach sort of knife defence and things like that. And obviously, Robin will know more than me, but the you know opening lines, closing lines, that sort of variation. Yeah, I think you know it. It depends if you look at the purpose of it, right? So the jujitsu self defense is against someone that has really very little to no training. That's really the essence of the self defense part. It's and almost all of it, not all, but almost, is on the draw of the weapon before it's executed. Yeah. So on the draw of the stick. There's only you know two, one, two, three where you're swinging it, and so almost all of them are preventing the weapon from being deployed in the first place. So like the Filipino martial arts are in execution while it's being used and deployed uh, more than before. So I think it's a good compliment as long as you understand that there's like three phases to the defense before, during, and after. Jiu-Jitsu is more before. The Filipino martial arts are more like during and after it's been um, deployed. And, uh, but you know, when it comes to a knife too, it's like one of my old instructors, he got a saying, he said, uh, winners drip and losers gush. Everybody's getting cut when a knife comes in. <laughs> And there's a lot of truth to that. I, I don't know if there's a single system that guarantees you don't get cut uh, when weapons come out, you know, especially bladed weapons. So um, I think as long as you explain it to people like this is before it's out and these are after in, while it's in use, then it makes a lot more sense. But sometimes people learn the self-defense part and they don't really have it explained like that it's against the layman. It's not against the skilled person you know, fights and uh, like scheduled sanctioned fights or skill versus skill, they're not really skill versus a bad decision, right? You know, in some cases, but not most. But I like them all, man. But I can tell right away when someone's been trained in Filipino martial arts or just the way they strip it or, or take a disarm and I, you know right away, you know? So I like them all, but you got to know where each one belongs. Yeah, sure. We've had that conversation before, haven't we? Yeah. yeah different phases you know it's a whole different thing if, if it's on the backswing or if it's you know coming forward 100 percent, yeah you got it's totally different i mean you know i want to grab the bat before you swing it <laughs> you know but well, it, it was explained to me by um daniel romero guru from uh, guru dance place he um he said you can either do it with it four places you can do it on the intention you know you know when someone's about to mm -hmm. the backswing you can do it on the forward swing or you can block it with your face <laughs> Right. Yeah, pretty much. I would prefer not to do the last one. But, you know, that's the thing. It's like, which is one of the things. I, yeah, I like that jujitsu teaches too, is you get really good at reading subtle body language before the person's aware that they communicate that. And so that's why people really will ask you, how did you know they were going to do that? And it's like, well, you've been training for a long time. And uh, you pick up on micro movements of body language that most people overlook. And that's really what it comes down to. But yeah, I don't want to catch a weapon like when it's getting swung. It, I just don't want to, you know. But, yeah. but for sure, you gotta you gotta train it. And uh, a big misconception, I think, especially in the United States, is sometimes people think self-defense jujitsu means don't compete or don't be proficient at other types of jujitsu or other areas of jujitsu. And what it just really means is please keep in mind that someone could punch you in the face, they could kick you, elbow you, knee you, and they might have a weapon. And that's really all it means. Um, so when you hear people say, I don't do self-defense jujitsu, it's like, I'm pretty sure you don't want to get punched in the face. I think it's a good idea to at least learn how to block that. And if you want to do sport jujitsu, 100% do it. But uh, 
like I have kids. I want my kids to learn to defend themselves and then go into tournaments. And I think you should do both, but you got to know when to flip each switch, you know? So um, you got to know it all. And that's the one thing I like about the JKD mindset. And I, I feel like most jujitsu people are pretty open-minded about incorporating other arts, but not a lot of other arts are really open-minded about incorporating other influences. And uh, we're very non-dogmatic. So I like that. So your school then, Mark, um, did you open it before you started training jiu-jitsu or is it something that you've opened yourself once you were, once you were already training jiu-jitsu? I was, I, I opened when I was a purple belt. And okay. so, uh, and I got a hard time from the community. Like I had people come in and test me and want to see how good you are. Basically challenges, you know. And I was like, okay, you know, that's fine. Just, you know, please don't make a disturbance in front of the kids and we could stay late and train and roll whatever you want. And most people really just wanted to see if you were legitimate or not, you know, which is fine. You five minutes, you know, right away. Um, but that only lasted for maybe, it probably stopped after a year. And, uh, and then people wanted to come and visit and train. And it's like, there's kind of this stigma against people that are not black belts in jujitsu that are teaching, you know? And it's, to me, it's like, okay, if you can teach, then teach. I don't care what belt you are. Just don't teach about your skill set. And if you don't know something, say, and find a good mentor. But um, I've seen blue belts teach better than black belts. And I've seen black belts that have no business teaching. And I've seen vice versa and everything in between. But, uh, man, let me tell you, I kind of got a hard time from a lot of the locals. And then after a while, they just kind of left me alone. And then I progressed through the ranks like everybody else. And I put all my hard work in and, um, and now nobody really, I don't really get it too much anymore, you know, but, uh, yeah, I started as purple belt and I think, man, this is my 15th year, I think, um, having an academy. And at first I was happy to have 10 students and not lose money, you know? And, uh, then I was like 25. Okay. I got to see how much I can save to buy t-shirts and resell them. And then, you know, now we have a couple hundred students and, uh, and now I'm grateful. I have two people that work here full time and it's just, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. It's fabulous. Is it just the, the one school, one location that you uh, operate out of? Or yeah. Just the, the, I have one here that I own, but we have seven others, six others in the region. And so like an hour of each other. So We'll do like a, an affiliate training day. We'll all get together. There's about 150 to 200 of us when we get together and we'll have a food truck come in and either have like smoothies or acai or some kind of lunch sandwiches and we'll all train. And then we'll, it'll, part of it will be instructional and we'll line everybody up and get some good rolling in. And it's a really good uh, sense of team and community within our group, which is nice. You know, um, a lot of people wear the same patch, but they don't they're not on the same team, right? So uh, we got one patch, one team, and, uh, and the team, it, the way I think it should go is team, teammate, and then me. And if you put the team first, everybody benefits. And uh, so we have some, I feel like it's pretty special, man. We got about 500 of us, maybe a little more in the region. And usually around 200 of us uh, get together twice a year, and then we just train. And then of course we have promotions and everything too, but that's in a different event. Mm -hmm. Nice. And you, uh, you operate a big children's program as well. You said about the, the children, you want them to learn self-defense before they go compete. Is that, is that a rule that you, uh, 
you that you enforce or 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 not? I think uh, it's more of a path that I provide than really enforce. But yeah, so most of the kids that come in, I don't think I've ever had a kid come in and say, "Hey, I've never heard of jujitsu. I want to compete and be amazing at jujitsu." When they come in, is the parents come in and they say, "Hey, look, I want my son or my daughter to be more confident, focused, disciplined. I want them to be better human beings, to be better contributors to society, pretty much." And uh, I want them to learn good habits and be around good people. Because when you're around good people, you assimilate into a good person. So um, then they get interested and they assimilate into like the mental toughness of jujitsu. And then they want to compete. And then they're like a slippery fish in the bottom of a boat. Nobody can hold them down. You can't pick them up. You can't grab them. And then all of a sudden they know how to do submissions and they're a nightmare when they compete. Uh, so that's kind of our approach. But we have well over 100 kids here that that in our in our program oh, nice yeah that's a good one we're talking about is there any like um you're talking about sort of i was watching your video on sort of rolling culture and stuff is there any ways in which you kind of develop the culture within your academy and kind of how, how do you kind of get that across to everyone and you're talking about sort of team and then team first and is that kind of yeah. how you develop the culture it is it's like when people come in there's a few things. So of course, within 10 seconds, people have an impression of how important you view them. Right. And then around 30 seconds or so, they kind of get a feel for how they think things go. And then you have a chance to prove them right or wrong. So um, nobody rolls, at least for the first couple of weeks, unless I know that you have experience and you can control yourself. And um, if they don't even know what a tap is, why would you ask them to roll? I mean, that's it's just, I can't even understand that. Then what we'll do is when they're new is we'll have them spar just for positions, no submissions. So now you can't get hurt. The worst that could happen is you get an elbow to the head or you get a knee in your ribs accidentally. And it's not that bad. It's a bruise, right? Like who hasn't done that playing football or, bit or some kind of sport? Um, and then we'll have them uh, slowly go for submissions. And if it's too intense, we tell them to stop. So we really do like, okay, stop, freeze. I'm going to match your energy. If you're wondering why we're picking it up, it's you're picking it up and you don't realize it. And then after about a month, usually, man, people are on fire. They can move. They know how to, they know some basics. If something's not right, they tap. Um, and I encourage people to tap out. It, like there's, it doesn't value you as a human being. And you're not a good teammate if you're trying to beat your teammates. You're trying to train with your teammates. And so I kind of have those talks all the time. And when someone new comes in, the whole academy turns, stops, and gives them a huge round of applause and a welcome. And they shake their hand and they welcome them to the team. And uh, if you if and you know right away by the body language if someone's not in for that and uh, if they're not in it then I'll help them find another place and and maybe they'll fit in there but um, your culture is king and it, it it it's more important than anything else because you can't have an academy where people are nervous to go train and uh, what's interesting too Pete is fifty percent of our students fifty are women. 50%. Wow, yeah, that's good, good numbers. And man, you, you just, all you got to do is be respectful, man. Yeah. And, uh, they'll train with you. And some of them, man, they're a handful. You know, some of the students that are like smaller and younger, they just, they get technical and people cultivate their skill instead of smash them. And, you know, now when you get a little more skilled, the smash can take place. Make, you know, make no mistake. <laughs> but it's like, you have to learn to appreciate that part of it, right? There's a, 
a saying, and I don't know if, if, if you have something similar, but that is you have to embrace the suck of it, right? Like you have to embrace what's the difficulty part and learn to be like, man, that was awesome. Instead of this is terrible. Show me what you did instead of, I don't know what happened. Can, uh, when you can do that, the culture just kind of self-corrects and students will correct someone before I ever have to usually. So Mark, that 50%, um, you know, females training at your school, is that, you know, children that have grown up through the ranks that you end up retaining? Or is that kind of a mixed bag of like, you get 50-50 through the door? Yeah, some of it is mixed. Like a lot of the kids that I've got kids that have been here with me since they're eight years old and now they're adults. Some have gone to college and come back. But it's an interesting thing because if you say that you're, you're respectful to women, you actually have to be, right? Like the conversations in the lobby can't be chauvinistic. And what happens is when you start treating people with respect, it's not because they're a woman, it's just you're treating everybody with respect, including women. But usually the women will tell their friends, hey, listen, you can train here. Nobody's being malicious. Nobody's being creepy. Everyone's super cool and lots of fun and they're good training partners. And the instructors don't tolerate anybody doing anything that's unacceptable. And man, the people come and, and that's it. You know, we don't roll any different. Uh, and, you know, it, I tell people this all the time. If, if you've never been tapped out by a woman in jujitsu, you haven't trained with enough women because it's eventually going to happen someday. And uh, you should high five them and say, good job. Just like, like you do everybody else. And um, I see it with my own daughter sometimes. Some of the, like some, when she was younger, some of the boys would be like, I don't want to roll a girl. I'm like, but honestly, you probably don't want to because I think your expectation is going to be different than what's actually going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and she's like a hundred pounds, you know, but, um, and, and that's the beauty of it, man. But, uh, you know, the culture is the most important thing. You can have a black belt. You could be a, the highest black belt in the world. If you don't have a good culture, you're not going to have a good academy. And that's the bottom line. Yeah. 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 yeah we've kind of, had, we found that to start with, it was tricky. Bill's sister, Caroline trains. And once she came along, that means there was someone else in the room that, uh, that oh, when other women came in, they could see there was already a, a woman training there as well. That kind of helped. And then, yeah, it's kind of picked up from there. We're definitely nowhere near 50, 50, but that would be cool to get to that point and yeah yeah it's building definitely building but yeah it's interesting just to hear someone that's got that academy with that kind of balance um yeah. as to how you kind of got there and yeah no it's cool very cool i mean i never i'd never planned it i just we just treat it like i i never made a point to get so many women or so many men we just treat people nicely and, and they come back you know and uh it grows yeah yeah nice yeah i like that and you've kind of developed into not sort of it's the wrong word to say sort of the marketing guru helping out other guys in the association with their sort of with their marketing and their sort of strategy in terms of what they're doing and stuff like that how did that come about just through trial and error on your own or um trial and error um outside of this academy um i uh i do a lot of public speaking and business consulting and so that helps me present material in a way that uh is can be received a little bit better maybe than someone that has no experience. And a lot of that is I have to market my own seminars. I have to market my own conferences and my own events. And then when people bring me into like an education or a trade conference, I just learn over the years how to do all of the marketing and promotions. And uh, everything I do is very based on science. And, and um, 
a very he healthy coding of personal experience in addition to that. And uh, I just try to help people like out of all the arts I teach, I would like to see us flourish as much as possible and not because, you know, you hear these sayings, but it's true. We have to have a black belt in business, not just around our waist. And you can blue belt in jujitsu and a black belt in business, you know, and uh, but it's really, it's kind of back to that principle of it's simple, but not easy. The concept is simple, but the execution is not. And uh, so I, I try to help people and we teach the instructor courses and marketing and business. And uh, why not? I mean, don't you want to help jujitsu get more into the world in our society to where it's like second nature? And, uh, you know, I have respect for all, all the arts out there and I teach them uh, and I've trained in them and many of them, but um, I know what I want to teach people that come through my doors and I know what I want my own kids to learn. And jujitsu is definitely a huge part of that. Um, I think the big message for a lot of jujitsu people is they think that being tough, being like a, uh, a bully on the mat or winning medals is gonna fill your academy. And it's just not the case. You could have a million medals on the wall, but if you have a bad culture, you, could, you won't be in business long. And uh, you know, it goes back to, yeah, I think baby Henner said this is like, and a lot of people say this, but it's not what you can do to your students, it's what you can do for them, and what you can bring out of them, right? So that's kind of the goal with, you know, helping the school owners in the association. And to me, man, this is the best association I could have ever hoped to be in because everyone is genuinely helpful to each other without even being asked. It's almost like a sense of obligation to help. And I like that. Yeah. How do you, how's, how's the, um, we've, I feel like there's, a, might be the same in the States. We've got a slightly different culture over here. You've got to kind of break that barrier of, um, People not liking the idea, I've got to say this right, so I don't know how offend people, it doesn't matter. Not liking um, martial arts to have a cost attached to it. They almost kind of treat it, especially over here, that it should almost be free because I, I don't even know why, really. It's just had this tradition of, I don't know. Yeah, yeah where, where you know, you're, it's your, if you've got that skill, you're duty bound to give it away for nothing, <laughs> even though you've invested and spent thousands of your own money upskilling yourself you know i don't know what it's like over there oh it's the same for some people right and it's like uh you know i don't want bargain hunters in my academy you go go to find a bargain somewhere that's why we're an academy we're not a gym right um to me this implies a different thing there's nothing wrong with either one but we're a place of higher learning and lifestyle changes when we do that through jujitsu but um if you want, like anything else, man, you want to find the cheapest tattoo artist? Probably not. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, do you take your BMW and, and go, I want the cheapest mechanic, the lowest cost, I could, you don't do that. And I think what happens is we have misassigned the value to martial arts because it's like, you'll go to a movie, you'll go to a dinner, you'll drink too much alcohol, you smoke too many cigarettes, you'll do who knows what, but you won't put good things in your body and in your mind. And uh, people that know better and do better, you're gonna, they're gonna cost a little bit more. And that's just how it is. Um, you can't put anything negative or cheap in here and have good behavior come out. And uh, I don't like the martyr approach to martial arts because it's like any other profession. You put 10, 15 years, 20 years to get a black belt, you should be, you should be able to make a decent living when you share your knowledge. 
Um, if you want the garage person to teach it to you and they're a great teacher and you love it, more power to you. But if you want a place that's 3,000 square feet or a, a thousand square meters and you want to have a beautiful academy with air conditioning and good seating and, and coaches that do this for a living that really invest in nothing but jujitsu and helping you reach your potential, then you're going to have to pay more for it. Um, you know, and a lot of times when people are like, oh, a guy down the block is like $50. I'm like, have you been there? And they're like, uh, well, not yet. I'm like, you should probably go and then come back here. And I really mean that very sincerely. And then if they do go and they, they usually come right back the next day and they're like, I, okay, they don't even say I'm so, like, just where do I sign up? And, um, you know, you, I wouldn't even put the cheapest food in my body. There's no way I'm putting the cheapest martial art in my mind or in my routines. And um, too many people think that way, especially instructors. They're like, I feel bad. Or they make the, the ridiculous mistake of charging too little. I have never in my life ever as a business consultant seen someone lower their prices and flourish because of it. I, um, <clears throat> I blame Mr. Miyagi for that, that, that sentiment of <laughs> having to give it away. I, I've it become successful. It's, uh, say, say that again. Uh, I was, I was going to say, I, I blame uh, Mr. Miyagi for the, uh, for the sentiment of having to give away. Um, so, yeah. Totally, yeah. But there's something in that, isn't there? There's something in that, that, that Hollywood image is probably part of the reason it's been created like that in the first place. 100%. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, like, here's the thing though, if you want to help someone, we have scholarships for people that need that are financially struggling the kids get bullied at school and they got a single parent they're just they're doing their best and they, they just can't do it then we'll have them come up here well one of the kids in our neighborhood got uh got into a fight he didn't know what to do man come up to the academy and train yeah. when, when you feel better then you can we're good if you want to sign you just come until you feel ready and the kid defended himself and he did great and you can still do good work but not give it free to everybody and uh you know so that's my input on it, man. If anyone, and listen, if you're watching this and you are not sure about training, I'm telling you right now, don't find the cheapest place, find the best place. And one thing you have to make sure that your instructor does is actually care about you and the people that you that are in their academy. Uh, because when people care, they go out of their way to learn and be the best instructors they can be. So don't, don't just price shop. I, I, I see that mistake all the time. And it's usually, it usually is the quickest road to regret. Um people seem willing to pay, you know, crazy money for their gym memberships and just go to the gym and run on a treadmill. I always say to people, you know, you know, you're buying, you know, time to just run on a machine or lift a weight. But yeah. when you come to jujitsu, you're buying a life skill. You're buying something that kind of that teaches you a way of life, teaches you, a, you know, teaches you things that may save your life one day. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's a no brainer for me, but like you say, some, sometimes people don't see it that way. Yeah, I mean, you could run for five minutes. Now you're tired and they catch you. Now what? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, you better get you better run to your car and get in locked door because if you, if you can't get where you need to go when you're running, you better have jujitsu, man, or something. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Hollywood's part of it and, and just the way things are sensationalized. But, um, you know, like in the United States, the statistic is – uh, one out of four women will have someone attempt a sexual assault on them. And that number's never really changed, unfortunately. And, you know, I have two daughters, man. I don't want, you know, I don't, I want them to know what to do. I don't want them to just run on a treadmill and look good in 
you know, in prayer or to themselves. I want you to do that too. But if someone ever tries to grab you, you should know what to do, man. And, uh, and you're never going to know when you need it. That's the thing about it, you know, but, um, yeah, you can only outrun a bear for so long, you know, like you gotta, you gotta have something when you can't run. So, yeah, we seem to have this thing over here where, um, you know, we've done, we've done some of, and again, part of it could be marketing. We've done some of the women's self-defense stuff. And I think there's a different, I don't think, um, I don't think British women are scared of anything. <laughs> Well, that might be it too. Like you feeling safe doesn't mean you're being safe, right? Yeah. I, I, that could be. I mean, it, you know, there's some cultural differences too. Um, in New York City, people look at you like, why are you talking to me? Why would you talk to someone you don't know? I don't even understand it. And, uh, yeah. And in North Carolina, man, you get in line, people tell you their whole life story. And I'm like, oh, you have three kids, two cousins, your uncle wants, and they just start telling you the whole life story, man. And uh, it, it's interesting. But um, yeah, some people have this false sense of security. And I think a lot of it is you know, they what they believe they're projecting as confidence is, is really, um, it's kind of a delusion towards their safety is they just are so unaware that they're falsely confident. And I think that's a lot of it because that's why when, you know, someone trains to learn how to fight, they don't want to get in a fight. You know, someone trains because something bad happened to them. They always wish they learned it sooner. Um, or if someone comes in a parent and they're like, they do this and they're like, this is amazing. Like you can literally get someone off of you that's trying to hold you down. I want my kids to do this. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the parents we get training are from watching their kids. And they just realize the value of it. But. I think, we, I mean, a weird outcome of this whole corona situation for us, I think, might might be the same. Um, the children's program still working really, really well over the Zoom. So we'll demonstrate the moves. You know, I've got two little boys. Robin's got two little girls. You know, we, we'll demonstrate the moves on our kids. And then and then we get the, the, the other children that are logged in on Zoom to practice with their parents or their, their siblings. Yeah. And already the parents are saying to us, I'm, I'm going to miss this. You know, I'm going to miss this, you know, when, when we're back to normal, whatever normal is. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that we uh, we end up with a few more parents actually, you know, looking to take part and, and join in as a result of their experience of, of training with their children. I think you will, Bill. I mean, a lot of times, you know, the, like if parents are in the lobby watching or on their phone and you know how it is, people look at the phone, they look up, they look down, they look up, they're mostly looking down at their phone. And then they start grabbing the child and like, okay, it's so one of the first things you teach a child is don't get dragged into a room or a car that you shouldn't go into. Oh, don't get dragged out of a store. So you do wrist breaks, get down in base, stand up in base, get dragged on the floor how, and how to get up. And then parents do that. And they're like, I, as a parent, you could almost, it's so easy to think to yourself, man, I'm embarrassed. I don't know how to teach my own child how to not get pulled in a car. I remember I got fight, fight advice from my dad, fighting advice. <laughs> man let me tell you this was probably in the 80s and he was like one of those old school hard-nosed tough guys man he's just you know the guy like if you, get, if you needed five stitches he just get electric tape and tape it up and go back to work he's just that kind of guy and uh looking back i'm like that is the worst advice i ever got in my life man <laughs> i don't even know what to say now and uh you know i wish more parents it's like you'll invest in clothes you'll invest in hopefully good food You'll invest in routines and social circles and schools academically. 
you know, language schools, but you won't invest in teaching your child how to protect themselves. I mean, come on. I think we should, uh, we should be obligated to do that. And uh, I don't understand. I can never imagine a child watching their child train jujitsu for a couple months and thinking it was a waste of money. It's just going to happen. Like they're going to be, they're going to always say, I'm really glad I did this. I had no idea. It's the most common. We have, we have a couple of non-negotiables in our house. They'll learn to swim 100% and they're going to learn how to defend themselves. And uh, yeah, I mean, they'll get the basics and hopefully they uh, they, they find a, a passion and a love for it. Yeah. And if not, you can defend yourself. Mm, exactly. Yeah. It's get a, until you just train until you get a blue belt. After that, do what you want, you know, or two years. How old are your kids, Bill? Um, my boys are seven and nine, nearly ten. So they're 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 very small, but they're they're loving it. They're, they're, they have a handful, though, right? They like to roughhouse. And well, my my wife, you know, I've been working at home, and uh, and she's had to do some of the the classes with the smaller one. And Pete's teaching them right push base, pull base, and she can't move the seven year old. And she's like, "Hang on a second, what's going on?" Um, and yeah, I mean, he's he's half her size, but she can't move him. She can't budge him. Exactly. Um, she keeps saying he's so strong. He's so strong. I was like, no, it's jujitsu. He's got frames. Yeah. Good frames make you feel strong. Yeah. Yeah. Seven and uh, that's a good age. Uh, maybe you, you mentioned you got daughters. Did you say you got daughters? Yeah, two. Mm -hmm. 16 and 12. Any sons? And one son. He's so get this. I'm a twin. My twin brother has twins and we have twins. Oh wow. Oh, so we're finished having kids. <laughs> A boy and a girl that are 16. Alina is the girl and Evan is my son. So a bit of advice I always ask when I talk to somebody that's maybe taught their children. How do you strike the right balance between kind of the fun, keeping it entertaining for them and, and that kind of, you know, that, that pressure that comes with, oh, you know, dad's teaching. Yeah. So they have to first realize, and I've had these conversations with them because they thought they had some level of privilege. And, and I was like, look, you're a student here. You have zero privileges. I don't care who teaches. I'm not your teacher. I'm your dad. The people that work here are your teachers. And if you have a question for me, then you can ask me. But when we're at home, we have living room jujitsu. So we clear the furniture out. It's like professional wrestling meets jujitsu, man. And we have a lot of fun. And uh, you have to add novelty to it. And, you, and my basic rule is you do two classes a week. You could do whatever else you want. You want to go to dance. You want to play basketball. You want to play football. Whatever you want to do, you can do as long as you do two jujitsu classes a week uh, without complaining. And it's worked pretty good so far. And, um, you know, there's a little ebb and flow to it, um, especially now that they're 16, they're more in, into their social lives. Um, but now they, they come up to me and ask me now, as opposed to, I don't have to like remind them. So nice. and they're, they're good. Oh man, they're handfuls. So it's kind when, of nice what age did they start training from from really small since they could walk pretty much so i would like do balance drills and then um you know hold them up with my feet and have them stand up in base and uh i used a lot of rewards and um you know you reward them for the the behavior right not the chat not the, the as a human being and you correct the behavior not them um, but we have little incentives too for them to do. So each time they did it, I put them literally put them on like a chart and you could earn extra, uh, credit basically. And at the end, when you meet a goal, you get something really cool. Like my son got a video game because he got 300 points. My daughter did, we took her somewhere for the weekend, you know, and just, uh, 
and it worked. I, I didn't think it would work. You know, I was like, I think it's a little kind of cheesy, but uh, my wife was like, let's try it. And we tried it and it worked. So um, one of your yeah. real life marketing schemes in, in action there, isn't it? Yeah. It's just basic psychology. Like, you know, this, it's kind of the difference. Let me say this, cause I think this is an important thing. Cause I think this is where a lot of it sincerely comes from. People feel like they're manipulating others sometimes. I mean, the difference between guidance and manipulation is manipulation serves one person and it's negative. Guidance serves both people and everybody gets better. So, uh, I think that's an important thing for you kids to understand is that you're guiding them to something. It's like you eat your vegetables. There's, it's not, it's non-negotiable. Like you're going to eat healthy food. And, uh, you know, do I, can you have a cheat meal? Of course you're if, have life. It's life, man. But, you know, um, yeah, you don't want them growing up resenting it, but the incentives, they work, man. You just got to find out what works for them. Comes good in the end by the sounds of it. Mm -hmm. So, and now they're adults, you know, they're driving now, which scares me to death. I'm glad at the same time and horrified at the same time. Um, but they make good decisions because they've been under pressure their whole lives and they know how to move under pressure. That's really good. That's really good. But, you know, let me say this. They're still teenagers and they challenge their parents, you know, like, like, like any other. There's this. Nobody's a perfect parent or child, but. Wouldn't, wouldn't be normal if they didn't. It, yeah. You mentioned when you set up the academy, you got some challenges. Was that from other, other schools or was that just from random people off the street? It's kind of bold. Um, the so some of the, there was only I think one black belt in the area at a time. I'm kind of like one of the most senior people that have trained in this area for a long time. And uh, you know, whenever you open a school, people want to know what it is. And um, the people that have been around for a long time, I know pretty much everybody. But some of the people that have been around for five or ten years, they don't know who this guy is. And uh, they would come in and they they literally just challenged me. Like I had one guy come in. And uh, he goes, well, I don't think you could take me down. And I was like, well, I just tried to avoid the question in the first place, right? And I said, well, you know, maybe, I don't know, man. He's like, well, I was in the Marines. And I was like, okay, well, okay, fine. Uh, you know, listen, I respect the Marines, man, but you're probably going to get taken down and it's not going to be fun. So he goes, well, I don't think you could do it. And now it's like, okay, look, man, if you want to stay after class, if we can train, that'd be great whatever you want to do. It's my pleasure. I'll be nice to you, but you can't, you can't come in here and talk to me like that. And uh, so he stayed and we trained and he's got a new respect. And uh, then, you know, I've had one person come from another school. I think it was a purple belt at the time. And he's like, literally, he goes, I just want to see how you do, man. Purple belt owns a school. I got to find out and see where I stand. I was like, okay, well, at least you're honest about it, right? Like he wasn't disrespectful. He was just he wanted to see, and we had a great time rolling. And now I'm friends with the guy. We've been friends ever since. Um, I've had other schools like send people in their students to see how they do, like to kind of benchmark themselves. And uh, they pretty much always leave with the same experience. Wow, man, everyone was really nice, and you guys are really good. And uh, and that's it, you know. And I just invite them back, and you be gracious, and you know. Like Professor says, you got to make it really hard for people to be your enemy, man, because enemies accumulate and you never get time twice. So uh, there was a couple of them that were a little more intense over the years, you know, but um, most people learn and then they just leave you alone. But I had this guy come in once 
And he starts doing these punches and yelling, and screaming and getting like all fired up. And he's like doing kicks, punching in the air. And I don't do any of that stuff. So I'm like, I mean, I've done kickboxing in Muay Thai. I'm like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> and um, he jumps across the mat with this flying sidekick. I'm like, look, man, it's, you probably, why don't you just come in and train? Oh, you, ah, man, I, I train street arts. And I was like, okay, you know these, right? You know the type. And, um, oh my God, man, I don't know. And <laughs> I think he remained standing for like three seconds and that was about it. And he kicked around, he didn't know what to do and he flailed around like crazy. Um, but, you know, there's always stuff like that. I had someone once in the middle of class, I was teaching and this was in front of all of my students, man. I've got cameras up and everything just for safety, you know? And uh, this person comes up and they're like, I'm a third degree black belt and whatever this art is. I'm not gonna mention the art because the person doesn't represent the art well. And I was like, okay, well, we got a couple minutes if you want to jump in and I'm a black belt. And I was like, okay, well, if you want to come in, just, I'll tell you what, we're going to start sparring in a couple minutes. Why don't you come over here? I'll work with you a little bit. And, uh, you know, well, I got to find a place that can actually hang with me because I beat everybody in my place and I'm tired of being the best. I got to find a place that will challenge me. But this is what the person told me. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you came to the right place. So, uh, what can I say? You know, so um, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, are you really like saying this out loud to people in front of all these people? You could, there's 40 people in the class and this is what you're saying. So I said, well, let me do, do me a favor. Let me get you in the mount and I'm going to put my hand in your collar and I just want to see how you bridge. Let's just start there. Just calm, cool. It's nice and chill. So the person looks at me and goes, I would come over you from here. And I was like, come over me. I'm in the mount. They go, yeah. And I was like, okay, gets better, man. So I said, so go ahead, Kimura me. So the person flails all over the place. And I'm like, man, this is bad. So I just loosen up the mount and they turn over. There's joke. I said, I could arm bar you here. I let go. And I was like, look, why don't we just start over again? So I turn around and the person jumps on my back and scratching my face and my neck. And they try to sink a choke. I was like, oh my God. So Ipon Siganagi. <laughs> and you just hear a big <laughs> and, uh, I, first case of Katami I go to Crawford and now I'm like my face is burning my neck I got scratches all over me and my students are all sitting in a circle like this like, oh my god professor okay. and I was like it's okay now I got it man and I start slapping the person in the stomach and I'm like come on man move and now I'm kind of like a little upset and now I'm like move go ahead I thought you were good at jujitsu move I thought no one challenged you and, uh, and then I was like, okay, fine, calm down. Look, I'm going to let you up. You better cut it out. And they were like, yeah, get, get off, get off. And I was like, mm -mm. listen, you need to apologize. When I get up, you need to stand up and go off the mat. And the person like went, oh. and I'm like, okay, here comes the last effort. So then they go crazy. And, the game. <laughs> and uh, I said, look, I shook the person's hand. I helped them up. I said, look, you got to go sit over there. Why don't we talk a little bit after class and maybe we can train some more. And they were like, oh, I just got an emergency text. I, I got to go. And the person got up and left. And I've never seen them again. And I uh, was like, man, I don't want it. I don't enjoy doing that. I'm not going to let it happen, but I don't enjoy doing it either. You know, like, but um, I feel like if it was another art, you know, the person would have left really beat up or in like, 
it could have been really bad. And you just I held them down. They got a little embarrassed. They went home. I even helped them up. And uh, I don't think they'll speak poorly of, you know, they're, they're, they won't like what happened, but they can't speak poorly of the people that were there and, and, and who they, you know, who they met basically. Hopefully they learned their lesson, but um, those are just a few that stand out, man. But that one, that one, that one stands out above all of them. That's, uh, that's impressive self-control. <laughs> and let me tell you, it was tough. I was like, I go home and my wife was like, what happened to you? And I got scratches all over it. I was like, honey, you wouldn't believe what happened, man. <laughs> You're waiting for the hidden cameras to jump out and stuff. So like, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, because at first, like a lot of times we'll jump on each other's back joking around. And I was like, okay, is this one of my friends? I, you know, no, this person's for real. And then I just get like, Oh, oh. I was not happy. Oh, you said you said something that I've heard a few other people say about you know those people that train in martial arts. They um, you know they they actively avoid fights because they know the damage that can be done. And yeah, you, know, you can't you don't know who it is that you're dealing with. You know, from from one person to the next, you don't know what skills that they have. Um, I've completely lost my train of thought. Um. <laughs> Oh, about those people that come in like and want to fight and yeah, no. So I mean, you actively try and avoid fights, but I mean, when was the last time you actually used jujitsu? Um, real life situation. In real life, it's been a while. It's been a few years. Like usually, what happens is someone will try something small and they realize it's a bad idea. I think it was at a wedding. Somebody was really drunk, and it just you know. They had a nice jacket on, <laughs> put their head on the table and everybody thought they were sleeping and drunk and they just, <laughs> and that was it, you know, um, but like, I, you know, Hey, man, you fell asleep. I don't know what happened. I got like this on the table. Um, but like an actual fight, fist fight, it's been a long time yeah, because you can usually avoid it. Hey, look, man, you know what? You win. Yeah. Let me buy a drink. You know, let me, Listen, man, let me just leave. I'm an old guy. Look at me. I got gray hair. I'm going to walk away. And um, it's an interesting thing, though, you say about the fact that you, you manage to avoid them and you're able to walk away. Because I think one of the things that I realized when I started training jujitsu, before training jujitsu, if I'd have tried to buy you a drink and get away from a situation, it probably wouldn't have ended well. It probably would have still ended in a fight. But there's something, there's a confidence or there's a, there's a way in which you carry yourself once you do have an appreciation for what can be done and what you can do yourself that actually makes that more authentic and, and people believe you and, and, and you can get out of those situations more, I find. And, and that's the, 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 you know, the hidden jujitsu for me is that, is that kind of that, the way in which you carry yourself once you, you, you understand it. Well, I think, you know, people, they mirror your, your energy a lot, right? So like when someone's upset and you're upset, it goes, it escalates. But yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, it's like, hey, look, we disagree, man. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean I'll buy you two drinks if you want. You know, you're the man, you're cool, it's okay. Um, and then that calm look of, listen, you don't want to do that, man. I'm telling you right now. Listen, it was a mistake. Why don't we just shake hands and forget about it? Um, neither one of us want this to happen. And they're like, oh, this guy's serious. Like, they just see that calmness. And that a calm lion is a dangerous, is, it makes you think twice, you know, when it's just looking at you and you're like, oh my goodness. 
um, because you're not sure whether to run or stay there. But uh, I find that a lot. Like I've seen people, I've even seen professor do this. We're like, we're out somewhere. We were in Brazil and some guy is being out, just acting crazy. Hey, my friend, he talks for two seconds and the guy's like hugging him saying goodbye, you know? Uh, it, it, that nonverbal communication of confidence is present and people pick up on it. Um, and people are, their, their ability to assess your energy is too sharp. Like they pick up whether you're authentically calm or not. I think in most cases, unless they're intoxicated and then pretty much nothing works. Right. But, uh, you know, yeah, Bill, I agree, man. It's a hundred percent. And I like it. I, I mean, could you win the fight? Most likely. Do you really want to do that to someone? You know, come on, man. And, uh, more important things to do I'm too i got more important yeah what am i going to do go get arrested and have my kids watch me hold off to jail and explain that i was a tough guy no, exactly exactly yeah that was i don't know what you said but that guy just left yeah he was a nice guy it's okay he said hello we know each other from back in the day and i leave i have no idea so yeah man yeah. Funny, it's funny you said about the wedding that's uh, that's one of our examples i can't remember what particular move on the self-defense syllabus it's usually the shoulder grab it's the shoulder grab isn't it or there's certain, there's certain moves where we say that this is one you don't want to use on your drunk uncle because you're gonna have to break his arm that's not gonna look good at the wedding <laughs> so so we can yeah. now say, we can now say that mark says always use the cross choke at the wedding <laughs> always use a choke man you cannot deny it worked and uh it's the most compassionate empathetic thing you can do sympathetic you can just you just look i've been there we've all made mistakes have a seat we'll see you next time man and uh because if people will fight with a broken arm especially on an in, under the influence of anything and uh i don't know well i will say this though i grew up um my mother was a bartender when i was a kid or whatever you want i don't know what if you call it the same thing yeah. hang out in this bar called o'brien's as a kid and uh i had I had two brothers and we could either hang out in the streets in like this town by belmont racetrack queen's borderline of long island not really a place you probably want your kids hanging out um although it's kind of a good neighborhood it's still a lot of trouble so we would go sit in the bar every day from 2 p.m to 6 p.m and wait for her to get off work when we get out of school and i grew up in a place where everybody walked to their neighborhood school there was no buses none of that so um i got a really good social education and the one self-defense move that i have seen and i feel like it gets beat up a little too much but i have seen with my own two eyes is the bar stool defense 100 percent. i have seen it over and over uh, because and i remember the day we went from glass mugs to plastic because you know people they, you hit someone with a glass mug it hurts and people were complaining about plastic ones but man they will pick up the bar stool and hit someone right over the back of the head whether on someone and uh i have seen that defense myself and so um not everybody may see it but when you do see it and you know what to do, it's a lot better than looking up and getting hit with a stool. So I've seen that personally with my own two eyes. Yeah. We'll say that that one's real as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who would ever think, man, you know, we're just listening to the putting money in the jukebox, listening to songs and the, a lot of the old timers that would sit at the bar would teach us to play pool man they sat in the same bar stools for 20 years those guys but we as little kids they teach us how to play poker and teach us how to play pool and they were pretty nice to us but you could see a fight 
um, you could see it a half an hour before it happens. You know, jitsu really helps you with that. You're like, see those two guys? We should probably be. And your friend's like, what are you talking about? Why? And you're like, trust me. And they're like, I don't get it. Man, you're a party pooper. Why, why are we going <laughs> to let's go? And then they hear the next day, man, a big fight broke out. And you're like, hmm, told you. And then you just leave. So it teaches a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you feel that atmosphere change. <laughs> yeah, it's, man, it's almost all, especially so, in this. Um, part of these chats, Mark, is just to keep us all kind of, you know, appetite wetted and, and, you know, we're all itching to get back on the mats. Are you, um, are you actually able to train at the moment? Are you, are you guys training over there? Or? Um, so our governor, you know, each governor can run the state basically the way they want. So our governor is one that has really extended the lockdown, the whatever you want to call it, phases, I guess. The, so some businesses can be open now, like essential businesses. Um, and uh, so we're not really supposed to be open for business like as usual and some businesses can have small groups of 10 so no technically no but um there's a big movement here where a lot of the gyms and honestly a lot of gyms are cleaner than hospitals man i mean they were clean top to bottom so some people will have small groups where they trust people and they know them and they'll go train i'm still bringing my kids up here and someone i trust with you know to train with and i'm going to do it yeah. uh, but we don't have very we don't have open for public uh, classes, but we do have small groups with very strict protocols and um, everyone's pretty open, but I'm telling you, the people, they cannot wait to train, man. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if it's the same, you know, in England, but you can go to the liquor store. There's a line around the block. People are six inches away from each other, chit-chatting, smoking cigarettes, buying liquor at the store. They're going to the hardware stores and lumber yards and there's 10, 20 people deep in line, but you can't go to a, a gym and get healthy and feel better. You know, it's an interesting thing. Like whatever is unhealthy, you're allowed to do basically. Um, whatever is healthy, exercise, going outside, you're not allowed to do. Um, and I find that is really interesting, but you know, as a whole, we're very rebellious by nature. And uh, so I'd, I don't really know how effective the population is gonna, I don't know how influenced the population will be by a lot of this. A lot of people are just tired and they're going out and they don't care what happens. And- um, Well, here now- Business. Hmm? It's getting that way here to some extent though, isn't it? People are just almost getting to the they're just gonna start doing things. Yeah, and what are they gonna do, you know, so? Well, in, in England, what will happen is everyone will probably politely stay standing in line. <laughs> 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 yeah i don't know it's i don't know man it's like it, the culture is so similar and so different at the same time so it's like uh but there are people man the parks are full full like you go anywhere uh the grocery stores packed liquor stores packed beauty salons are open now. like everything basically everything but um bars and gyms are open but you can go to a restaurant that has a bar okay okay so, yeah yeah, no, we're still, yeah, we're still a little bit behind that in terms of this week, Monday, they're going to allow us to associate with six other people as long as we're distanced. So, and how is that enforced? Do the people, do, like, do the police drive around? They They've given up now, really. <laughs> 
since our politicians and their friends started doing what they want, they uh, they've given up actually. Yeah, I was. I mean, I'm all for it, man. You know, I don't want people getting sick, and I don't want people going out of business. And uh, you know, it's just like, at what point do you trust the population, and where don't you? You know, it's like. They're, they're, a lot of times you do have to protect people for themselves. Like people come out and start fights. Like, dude, you'd want to do that. I'm telling you. And uh, it's just kind of an interesting thing, man. Like, I don't know. I wish it, it'd be nice for it to all go away, but we're in the same boat, man. Um, it's the same storm, you know, different yeah. boats. I was, uh, I was going to ask if you wasn't training at all. I was going to say, what's, you know, what are you most looking forward to getting back on the map for? What's, what's, what's going to be the first move that you try and hit? <laughs> man, let me tell you, I've been opening like knee bars like the all, all month and uh just one after the other and uh but you know like i'm it's i have i'm fortunate because i can come up here with a couple people and i can do it or i can come up here with my kids and they're teenagers and they're good they, and they're good training partners um but for me like personally and i think this is an issue for a lot of people if i don't train for three or four days i kind of i'm not in the same kind of mood you know and uh, I don't like to run. I ran in the military. I ran for years. I don't want to run anymore. Uh, I don't. I don't enjoy it. Um, yeah, I can ride a bike, but it's not the same as that. Like the dialogue that takes place between two people in jujitsu. You know, most of the other things that you can do, they're like running in the street. To me, is boring, man. I'd rather watch paint dry. And uh, you know, if somebody likes it, good for you. But I, that's not me. And um, so I, I miss you know because you can still train a little bit here and there but what i miss the most is like the socialization after class or during class and just sitting around with pals you know having a conversation while everyone's cleaning up and you know it, i don't know so but yeah i want to i want to learn more about this uh kimura from under mount that sounds like <laughs> a genius move <laughs> no let me tell you i was like i've got you like and i was in a high mount too and i'm like kimura <laughs> I would love to see that, you know, like. Uh, I'm not thinking about it. I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> you know how it's like dumbfounded you are. You're like, what? <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. And uh, this person was totally sure of themselves. Like, I like really got me. I was like, you're dead serious. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Man, I don't know, but. You know, for every person like that, you meet you meet a thousand good ones. So it's uh, <laughs> but Bill, yeah. man, you, watch out for that person. You come over here, I'm going to introduce you. I I love to meet him. I, I need to learn that one. That's that's blow my mind. I can't think about anything else. All of my questions I was going to ask you have gone. I just got from under mount, man. And I mean, like, and that was a black belt at the time too. So it's not like. Little confidence. I had some confidence in what I'm doing. It's not like I'm, I've only been training six months, and I'm like, maybe there is. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> but, oh my god, man! It's weird you say Kimuras though. So I don't, I don't know whether or not it's just something that my little boy does. But he's the only person that I'm doing anything kind of like physical jujitsu with at the moment. Yeah, I'm seeing Kimuras everywhere at the moment. And <laughs> I think, I, 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 Maybe there is. I'm gonna I'm gonna get him to mount me tomorrow Listen, and I'm gonna man, see if there is one. <laughs> if you discover it, I wanna know. I want I wanna want be able to name it, man. That's yeah. I don't know. It's the it's the uh, cook cook crow kimura. Lord, man. I don't even, <laughs> Oh my god, I don't even know what to say. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, we just say it's the big thing. I mean 
these guys are probably kids. I've got kids, so I just stand in front of a camera on my own with a gear. on. All his neighbours keep seeing him through the window, just stood yeah. there on his own. Yeah, dressed up. Dude, you're going to be talking about this for a month. You're going to be like, how did you? Like, I don't even understand. <laughs> to this. I know it, man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm dying to get back on the mats. So, yeah. Nearly there. Nearly even us. Same place since, what, the 21st of March? 21st yeah. of March. 21st of March is, that- is last altogether. Is that what it was for you guys, March 21st? Yeah. Well, they they kind of sort of shut things down the 20th. We got together on the 21st to do a few bits. And then on the 23rd, they went no, lock, completely locked down. Hmm. I think it was around the same time. I'm pretty sure. You, you can see a slightly deranged look in Rob's eyes now. Because he's not strangled anybody for a while. I'm dreading getting back on the mats with him that first day. I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm gonna Doesn't be all the stress just leave your body? Like when you, man, oh, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. Mark, obviously, we have a, you know, a number of students that maybe haven't trained for, for quite as long. And <clears throat> obviously they've been off the mats in force for two months, coming up three months now. I mean, any messages for those people that, you know, that are not fully bitten yet, but, you know, why they should carry on training and, and, and stick with it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you, you know, um, First of all, welcome to jujitsu. You pick an amazing, amazing martial art. And uh, I've never in my life, ever once, not once, ever met a person that regretted training jujitsu. And you'll hear this a lot from your instructors and you guys too, but this is like to the person watching. Um, it is a the marathon and it's not a sprint. And this is just a short break from a very long journey in your life of jujitsu. Um, Jiu-jitsu to me is one of the few things that you can do for your entire life, 100%, and remain healthy and have all of your joints intact as long as you train safely. Um, I'm telling you right now, though, you can stay home and do movement drills because before all technique comes movement. And if you develop movement, techniques are easy. If you learn techniques with no movement, techniques are tough. So if you're at home and you're like, man, I got to get back to the academy, this is the time to start doing those solo drills and movements and getting everything that you can do. But um, when you do come back to the academy, man, everyone's going to be happy to see you for sure. And you're going to have a little rust and that's normal and you got to knock it off. So don't start coming up with excuses of like, I got to get better before I come in, just show up and train. And uh, everybody is going to knock the rust off together. But about a year from now, you're going to have some really good stories and some good times to laugh about after class when you're on the mat. So just keep with it, man. And, you know, if you have instructors that uh, care and they're, and they're good, listen, this is for me to everyone out there. If you have a good instructor, man, keep them, do your, if you can do your best to keep their academy open because when the dust settles, we want the good coaches left. And if you had to pick, which coaches are still open and operating after this, you want it to, to be the good coaches. So um, return as fast as you can to the good coaches because they're going to multiply jujitsu in your community and your population, and uh, it's going to change your entire life. So that's kind of my tips, you know, for everybody. But all of this like self-doubt of I wonder how good I am. I'm not going to be as good as I was. I might be a little embarrassed or feel bad. That's normal, man. Just go to the gym. Stop that talk right away and just get to the academy and start filling your mind with good thoughts, no more negativity, progress, moving forward. Because anything that you do in the gym is better than someone sitting home doing nothing. So um, 
100% man, get to the mats uh, and start moving around. And so that's my advice to anyone watching this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's good advice. I like yeah. it. Yeah, we've been stealing concepts, Mark, from everybody that we've been talking to, and we've heard about connection. We've heard about mm -hmm. uh, well, a million different things. Um, if you were to try and you know, what's what's a concept that you would try and help people understand understand jujitsu better? So the the difference between like connection and attachment, right? Attachment is moving with the person no matter what. Connection is moving on your terms, right? And you just never disengage. So the connection is if you're loose, you can feel the person's muscles move before they execute the move. If you're tense, you have to relax first. And so now you have a secondary motion to make up for. So um, I think that's really important. Um, frames make you feel strong like your kids, right? Man, he's strong. Yeah, you got good frames. Dude, I'm not strong, but I can outframe most of my students. Um, you know, I think the concept is once you understand like the physics, the biomechanics and the leverage, everything is easy. Um, but you gotta be willing to put yourself in every bad position. You know, like, I don't think there's like a one secret to jujitsu other than show it, just keep showing up. The second best secret is show up when you don't feel like it. The third best secret is to show up when you really don't feel like it. And, uh, if you do that, man, you're going to get good at jujitsu. But, um, I think a lot of those, if you could, if you took all of the muscle and all of the, the strength and explosiveness and all of the attributes out of your jujitsu, you took all the muscles off your skeleton, how would you align everything? And if you know how to align it with nothing to back it up, then you know, imagine how good it's gonna be when you have your muscles and your body's moving. So um, it makes, you just have to learn how your body can make an amazing amount of leverage. You just have to kind of spend a time to, to discover that. So I don't know if that helps, but no, yeah. It, it, it does, but it makes yeah. me want to ask another question. So, you know, like when you look at a technique now, do you, do you look at a technique or are you literally thinking about the skeleton and how to align things without the muscle? What, what, what you know, and at what point did you start doing that or? So, you know, first I used to have to like get ready for jujitsu and then my body was on autopilot. And before you condition your autopilot, you have to make sure you have really good habits and for the slow part and the drills come in and everything. But now I look at a technique and I look at the micro movements, the small, mini, small adjustments that you make. I want to see if you're pushing or if you're framing. I want to see the angle, like, you know, if your hand is like this, you can just look at your elbow and when you turn it, your elbow comes up. So if you're going to push, you have to be this way. If you pull, you have to be this way. This is how you carry firewood. This is how you push your car. And so I'll start to look and go, okay, you understand framing. Now you can get an inch. And when you get an inch, you can get a breath. When you get a breath, you get an opportunity. When you get an opportunity, you got to move. And um, if you don't have that small fuse that lights everything, like alignment, then you're, it's going to be difficult. So I really look at moves now as like, does the person understand the fundamentals of the movement? Um, like you may be able to get out of mount, but did you do it with a good frame? You know, did you do it with good hand and knee placement? Um, an analogy I like is you could nail, you could put a nail in with a rock. Yeah. yeah, it works. Well, it's not the right tool for the right job. And everyone that knows better knows that, but you, all you do is go, well, it worked, didn't it? Well, yeah. Okay. It works, but how long will it work? How long is the rock going to last and how long are you going to last? So, um, 
you have to really spend time in tool development, which is like, you know, white to blue. And um, then you work on your tool refinement in purple belt. And then you work on mastering all of those in like brown belt. And then the black belt, you're like, okay, now I can really start to learn. And like, I'm not developing as much. I'm just sharpening now. And, um, after that, you start looking at how you assess things and your level of assessment and observation changes very much after you get a black belt, because now you're not looking at is what technique did the person get? You're looking at how they moved and how good was their movement to get to where they were. And so you look at the difference of tactic and strategies and the, the difference between the two. So um, that's kind of how I look at it. It's like, yeah, you got out, but I don't think you're gonna get out that way again until you move your hand this way, then it's easy. And um, always find the sweet spot that makes it easy work towards that every time so that's just my advice yeah it's really nice thank you so, thank okay. you for sharing yeah no it's good it's good advice and hopefully um uh, so a few people watching a couple of people watching on youtube so hopefully that'll uh, help them and our guys are watching all these back so and this or listening to them on the uh, on itunes or whatever so it's good uh, it's good for them to keep hearing this because it's the same what's nice and i think that's another big thing about the associations that it's the same ideas and the same concepts reiterated in like different ways, but in, you know, and for some people they'll hear you say that and it will really hit home with them and somebody else will say it slightly differently and, and yeah. hit home with them. And, you know, it's just that, it's that coaching thing of explaining the same thing 12 different ways. And, and one uh, sticks. And one sticks. So it's, it's cool. And that's uh, it's good that Billy keeps remembering to ask the question the same way so that we get <laughs> different this variations. This is how you carry firewood and this is how you push a car. That's uh, what I'm taking away from this conversation, yeah. Mark. Yeah, hey, listen, you know, sometimes like, you know, someone will explain something and I'm like, man, oh, it just makes so much sense when you say it, you know? And it happens to me too, man. And, uh, you know, I've but- i been these carrying firewood wrong all my life. Say again? <laughs> I've been carrying firewood wrong all my life. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, but you'll never forget it now, right? That's the thing. It's like, man, do you know how many people, like, when you counter an arm bar, right, and your arm is out like this, all you have to do is turn your hand, and there's the arm going, arm bar's gone. And people do this all the time, and they roll, and they, it, it's crazy, man. But, uh, you know how many times I've been embarrassed, like, with jujitsu, where, like, someone will say something it doesn't matter their rank but you know usually they have some experience and i'm like i never thought of it that way man my goodness and um yeah it's just kind of what it's such a humbling art you know to, to even the most skilled it's just a constant um serving of humility and appreciation at the same time but uh yeah you know the one thing i would just like to say to everyone watching this too is like um and I, I'm pretty sure you guys feel the same way. And if not, let me know. But you really have to spend time on the fundamentals, man. I mean, here's the deal. If you say, what'd you do to get a blue belt? And 10 people look at each other from the same place and they have no idea, we probably need to be a little bit more organized as instructors. Your fundamentals are what teach you how to do everything else easily. And um, like, for example, Michelangelo and Rembrandt, they paint remarkably beautiful masterpieces very differently. They're both beautiful, right? But they both had to learn how to use a brush and mix paint. And, you, and then you paint their own paintings. 
paint your own masterpiece. In jujitsu, you have to learn how to move every single part of your body. There's three types of shrimps. You should know those at minimum. Then you have reverse shrimps. Then you shrimp with your shoulders. And so after a while, after like a couple of years, you have all the fundamentals, man, now you do you, you know, and, um, but you won't be a higher rank getting smashed by a lower belt because you didn't take time learning how to frame. So, uh, and I'm, I know that a lot of black belts say this over and over, and I just want to be one that's like, the reason you keep hearing it is because it's true. And you have to come to terms with that. <laughs> Tell the difference between rolling someone that has good fundamentals. I'm like, man, you spend a lot of time with the fundamentals and like they take pride in it. And then someone's like, man, I'm a brown, a blue belt, purple belt, brown belt. How come I don't know that? I'm like, well, I don't know, man, you know? Let's work on some fundamentals. Um, I'm sure I could still learn other things from you, but let's work on the fundamentals and your growth will explode. And uh, so that that's my advice to anyone watching this, Pete, for sure. That's so true. It comes out as well. Whenever you go to, master, you were saying about the moments where you go, how did I not figure that out? That's every master seminar you ever go to. And that is <laughs> every single one, man. You go, I've got this really difficult problem and it's this and it's this. And he goes, oh, let me see my, what, my, what my body does. Uh, no, just do this. And it's like a, a three-inch movement of your hip or something. It's like, okay, yeah, of course. Of course it is. Of course it is. Why did I not figure that out? How did I not know it's that? just like, professor. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that guy is the genius at jiu-jitsu. Oh, my God. But, yeah. Yeah. And it's the genius of the, it is the genius of the fundamentals, isn't it? It's the genius of, yeah, just make sure your hips are under their hips. That's it. <laughs> and you're like, just oh. turn, your, turn your foot. <laughs> <laughs> all the time man uh, uh, i love it brilliant we were saying a common thing that comes up as well is that you can tell us whether you've had this as well that every time we go to a seminar bill robin and i in particular will watch the other black belts in the room when master's teaching a particular technique because we know at some point they're going to look at each other and go you never showed me that you never showed <laughs> i've never seen that i've never seen that before every time man every time just he teaches other black belts because he'll drop little gems to each one of them and then walk away. And... Um, some of the, some of the, like I don't know if it's the summer camp or the winter camp. You know when he gets everybody together at head office. I think mm -hmm. maybe the last one, Haldor tested. I think got his black belt. But I saw yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah, mm -hmm. you were there. You were doing. I think you were kind of at the front. You were kind of involved with a lot of the tests as well. Mm -hmm. That must be a yeah. proud moment. How how did that come about? Uh, you know, I don't know. So professor just one day, he asked me to do something. And then another day he asked me to do more. And, uh, but yeah, you know, the first time he calls you up in front of people to share knowledge or teach, or um, like assess someone, or evaluate, it's, it's an honor, man, you know, you just you, inside I puff up a little bit with pride. And I'm like, wow, this is, it's a good moment, you know, because uh, it takes many, many years to be a person considered a person that could help evaluate or help teach or share. And um, yeah, now I, I, you know, I see him often, but it's, uh, Haldor did great, man. He really did a, he did a good job. And uh, it's nice for me to see people just nail their test, man. It, I, it makes you feel good. Yeah, we're not jealous of him at all at the moment because he keeps posting his pictures to us of their back rolling properly and training properly now. So yeah, I mean, he, he warned us that he was going to make us hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little jealous, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably watching now, actually. Is he watching now? Oh, yes, he, he hasn't seen anything yet, but I'm sure he will be. 
So He'll yeah. rub it in later, man. Yeah. 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 He'll send a few more pictures. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your, um, let's, uh, let's get all your information out there for anybody watching as well. What's the YouTube channel? Cause you, like you say, you've been doing loads of work on that. Yeah. So you can search one of two words. You can just start search, uh, integrated martial arts Academy. You just search my name. I mean, look at my last name. There's not many people with that last name. If you just search my last name on YouTube, it'll pull up. You just search more Kirk Rowe. Um, but yeah, that's it. There's probably, I don't even know now, a hundred something videos on there and it's, and they're all organized now on playlists so they can find that. Um, yeah. And our website is integrated martial arts. I'm, I'm sorry. You can search integrated martial arts. It, the site itself is an abbreviation for martial arts for you. It's M A F O R U like martial arts for you. Com. Um, but again, you just type in my last name and it'll come up all over. It's such a unique last name. Um, but yeah, man, if anyone's ever visiting, like if you're in the UK and you come to the US, man, please come and visit. We, You'll be treated like family, man, and you're going to eat well. We're going to make sure you eat good food and take good care of you. So uh, be ready to eat some food. And if you're staying here for a while, I got a brick pizza oven in my backyard. We could sit down and have some have cold to drink and make some great food and uh, do some good jujitsu. So I appreciate being on here for you guys. And, you know, uh, thank you very much for inviting me to be on this. No, it's, it's great. We could carry all night. It's, that's the big benefit for us is that we get to teach, you know, sit down and you guys have got a bit more time and we everyone can get together and have a chat and share everything. And it's, yeah, it's awesome. Keeps us going, keeps us going whilst we're off the mat. We're, yeah, uh, it's we're fun. super grateful for the for the time you've taken out of your day to uh, to talk to us as well. Yeah. I didn't realise though before we started this, I didn't realise that coming out of lockdown, I was going to end up having to save up for such a big travel budget. Because where are we going now? We're going we're going North Carolina. We're doing Trinidad yeah. and Tobago, Hawaii to see Luis. We're yeah. doing Utah to see Mike. My wife, she might divorce me. I'm just going on some big road trip at some point. <laughs> Well, tell her to come. She can, you know, she can do whatever she wants. Let her go out for the day. She can do what she wants. Museums, shopping, restaurants, whatever. Um, Jiu-jitsu road trip. I, I'm, I'm, I'm down for this. I might yeah, have to man. have an early retirement. Just do it, do it. Three months. Just travel the world. Hey, this is a big airport. Direct flights to the UK, man. So, you know. oh, even better. Yeah, and we've managed to move. You know, all the our business is online so far, so <laughs> we don't even need yeah. to be there anymore. I would love for you guys, though, to see. I wish I could show you. I have, um, it was a gift from a student. It's a mural on our wall. It's 33 feet long, basically 10 meters, um, and one high, one and a half. And it's my entire martial arts lineage. It's amazing. Wow. And I, I'll take a photo and, and send it to you. Yeah, please. It was a gift. Everyone that comes here is just blown away um, with the level of, skill and talent that went into it it's remarkable and um i've got some cool pieces of artwork around here too if people appreciate that but i do you know definitely sounds good awesome well we will let you go thank you so much for jumping on and sorry about the technical issues we i think we managed <laughs> we might it's my pleasure man <laughs> um and uh yeah have a, have a great rest of your day and we'll um, definitely catch up soon thank you guys take care very much. All right, let's kill that and stop the YouTube as well. Da, da, da. And every week, 
you'd think we, I'd be able to do this faster.